you're here with us today for the first time, I want to greet you. My name is Jay Duncan. What a pleasure it is for me to serve Antioch Church. I love this church. No other place in the world I'd rather be and uh, no other people and no other house I'd rather serve. Uh, this is a special house. Uh, that is not to the detriment of any other place in this city or in this world, but this is a special house. God is kissing this place and uh, he is awakening us. He is equipping us to be sons and daughters who are fully mature and who are actively engaged in advancing his kingdom on the earth. That is what we're about. That is why we exist. And as a kingdom community of believers, uh, we are on mission to awaken, equip, and send people to transform cities and regions and nations around the world. That's what our passion is. And we want to do that as mature sons, and we want to do that as mature daughters. And so uh, for the summer, we've been focusing on a concept called activation, which very simply means to participate with God's spirit and to participate with God's word in becoming who God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. And so we've been talking about that for a number of weeks. Uh, just recently ended the vision segment of our activation series. And today what I wanna do is talk with you very quickly here in the next 13 minutes. Uh, our sermons are usually not this short, unless God moves. Okay, our, our priority here in this place is to be about God's agenda and to follow that as closely and accurately and faithfully as we know how. And so we're, also, we're always listening to what it is that God is saying because we wanna be on the move with him. And I, I, I sensed and I felt such a sovereign presence of the Lord. How many of you felt the presence of the Lord in this place? When he is in the place, he can do things that none of us could do. He, what he is doing is more important than what I have to say. Hopefully what I'm saying is what he wants to be said. But when he's at work, he always takes center stage. That is what we're about here. But the preaching and the teaching of the word partner and participate with what it is that God is doing and building in this house. He's building something in this people. He's building something in this place. We are moving forward. There's a destination in the spirit. There is a destiny that he has for us as Antioch Church. And today I wanna to talk with you about four handles of destiny. Four handles of destiny as it relates to being activated. And I'm gonna do this very quickly. Number one, destiny is discovered by embracing God's sovereignty. I'm gonna just state all of these and then I'm gonna go back in and give a little bit of explanation on each of these. Destiny is discovered by embracing God's sovereignty. Number two, destiny is revealed by embracing community. Community is very, very important to our discovery of destiny. Nobody's destiny is discovered in isolation. Our destiny is connected with one another. Uh, many people try to isolate themselves from God's people. They try to isolate themselves from the communal work that God is doing in a place. And I have found, uh, as I survey history, that most people do not discover their own identity and they do not fully become engaged or activated in the destiny that God has called them to be outside of a God-given community that he has put them in. Number three, destiny is developed by living strategically. There's a lot behind that statement. And number four, destiny is realized by seeing problems as opportunities. Number one, destiny is discovered by embracing God's sovereignty. Number two, destiny is revealed by embracing community. Number three, destiny is developed by living strategically. And number four, destiny is realized by seeing problems as opportunities. In your Bibles, in the book of Exodus, 
chapter three. I wanna be very selective. I have a number of scriptures here, but for the sake of time, I need to be very selective with this. Exodus chapter three is a story of a man by the name of Moses who was sovereignly selected by God, hidden by his mother in a time where the Pharaoh of that land was, uh, was killing off babies. And so is, uh, Moses' mother, by faith and by divine direction, hid her son, placing him in a basket, putting him on the sea, and God sovereignly protected this young little baby. Caused this baby Moses to be placed into Pharaoh's courts, educated with the greatest education of the known world at that time, raised in a place of authority, raised in a place of privilege, raised in a place of royalty. Because in God's sovereignty, God needed a man who would be educated. God needed a man who would understand the thinking and the systems of that day. And God needed a man who would be able to relate to the injustice of what was happening to God's people at that particular time of history. And so by God's sovereign design, Moses, in his mistakes, ends up fleeing from Egypt and finds himself on the backside of a desert where he encounters God. It is my prayer that in this series that there will be divine encounters that lead to a depth of relationship that we have with God that literally changes the entire trajectory of our lives and those that are connected to us. Because as your life is radically revolutionized by the reality of God, everyone who is connected with you intimately or from afar will be influenced and impacted by what God does in your life. Exodus chapter three, as Moses is having a conversation with God, this is God's response to Moses. Beginning in verse 13, Exodus chapter three, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. We need to understand that sovereignty is the birthplace of destiny. We are not the engineers or the authors of our own destiny. We do not have the luxury of choosing what our destiny is going to be because we are created beings and the creator reserves the right to determine what our destiny is going to be. What we have is the privilege and the opportunity to choose whether or not we submit to the creator's destiny for our lives, whether or not we want to blaze our own trail and to choose our own destiny. Adam chose his own destiny and the entire human race that was connected was affected. They were infected and they were affected because they were connected by the human race. We must pursue God to discover what our destiny is. There are things that God has hardwired and written into his book that every single one of you were created to accomplish before you breathe your last breath. You need to understand that today, church. The question that every one of us needs to get into the yoke of God with, the question that every one of us needs to wrestle with God with is this question, God, what are the things 
that you have specifically designed me to do and written out for me to accomplish before I leave this earth. Because there are specific things that you are created and called to do as part of your God-given destiny. It's not coincidental, it's not haphazard. God has written those things out for you. In Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable that Jesus tells of three particular people God entrusts them with talents. Next week, Jerob is gonna be teaching us about God's positioning system, explaining more about the fact that God has given us gifts and he's given us talents and he's given us passions. The way that we steward those gifts and talents and passions helps us to discover the destiny that God has created and it helps us to become faithful in fulfilling the destiny that God has written out for us. And in this story, you see men who are faithful, women who are faithful, they stand before God with what God has given to them. And there's this incredible phrase that the king says over these people, he says, well done thy good and faithful servant. The thing that I've given to you, the thing that I've written out for you, the destiny that I have determined for your specific life, you were faithful to. Friend, I want you to know destiny is not some ethereal, fatist idea. Destiny has been hardwired and engineered and created and designed by God himself. It lifts us higher. When we believe and we understand, one of the gals up here was praying about the restoration of hope and the restoration of vision. We cannot have hope and we cannot have vision without espousing to a belief that we serve a God of destiny, that we serve a God who is hardwired into every human being and into every family. And I believe this church has a destiny. If you understood the life cycle of this church, if you understood the difficult seasons that we walked through, I have incredible, tremendous hope and faith in you, Antioch, because I've walked through some dark seasons of this church when I saw God literally hold this house together in times where we should have fallen apart. There's a destiny upon us. There are things that we as a people are called to do. And there is a being that we are called to become as a house. God needs Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. God needs Antioch Church for the state of Colorado and for this nation and for the nations beyond. And that's not an elitist statement. That is a recognition and a realization and a revelation that we exist because we have a destiny that God has written out for us as a people. Destiny is understanding that we are connected to a bigger picture and that we belong to a bigger story. We are tied to a greater purpose in history and we are tied to a future and a hope. That is what it means to understand that we have destiny. In Ephesians chapter one, verse four, the scripture says, Ephesians 1, 4, God chose us in him before the creation of the world in order to be holy and blameless in his sight. I want you to think about this. Before you and I were born, before this world was ever created, God saw you, he saw your destiny, he saw your family's destiny, he saw this church's destiny, and he had already written and predetermined that every single one of us was called and determined to be holy and blameless in his sight. That is a part of your destiny. You need to understand that your destiny is not just about what you're called to do, but part of your destiny is what you're called to become. Every single one of us reflect 
a particular part of the character and the nature of who God is. Every single one of us. I love the different personalities. I love the different gift mixes that people have. I love the different profile types that people have. I was out with some friends last night. We were talking about love languages. I love the fact that every single one of us are hardwired to connect with one another relationally in a different way, that we, ex- we express different parts of who God is in a different way. That's because every single one of us in this room, if we are bold enough, and if we would be willing and courageous enough to, in, to move beyond the surface of shallow and superficial relationships birthed out of self-preservation, if we would be courageous enough to become vulnerable with one another, we would discover and we would celebrate the fact that every single person in our community is reflecting and displaying a different part of who God is. There are some of you that reflect the grace of who God is. There are some of you that reveal the love of God, the mercy of God. There are some of you that reveal the justice of God. We got a gal on our staff every time as we read through the Psalms, it talks about the justice of God. Man, this person just gets excited because they reveal the righteous justice of who God is. Every single one of you are called to become more like Christ as part of your destiny because there's an element of God that you're called to reflect into the earth. People need you to continue in your discipleship journey. The people that are affected by your discipleship journey need you to continue in your discipleship journey because your destiny is not just about what you're called to do. Your destiny is about what you're called to become. Well, we're going to push pause right here, and we'll get into uh, some of these other components of this. We're going to talk about how activation serves destiny. We're going to talk about destiny being revealed uh, by embracing community, living strategically, all of those things. We'll get into that, but uh, let's go ahead and push pause. I'm going to be a man of my word. I'm getting better at this. All right, there was, there was a day I'd take you guys to one o'clock and wouldn't think twice about it, all right? So... Uh, Let's just push pause here. And uh, what I'm gonna pray, listen, my, my hope, my vision is that we so whet your appetite on the individual level, on the family level. And listen, even as a church, we, we want something to be stoked inside of us that provokes us to pursue at a greater level. We're not talking about destiny as some faraway pep rally idea. We're talking about destiny to elicit within you a search. You know, the scripture says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings. Your glory is to search out what God has hidden for your life. There is a glory that is for you that can only be revealed to the degree that you pursue what God has hidden for your life. He's good at hide and seek. He likes it. He likes hiding things for you. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for a spirit and an anointing of activation to be upon every single one of us. I pray that you would wrestle with us, God, like you wrestled with your son, Jacob. I ask that you do it with every single one of us. I pray that you would cause us to become so discontent with mediocre and average living. Many of us may be in seasons that may feel mundane, but God, I pray that that the mundane nature of that season would not elicit self-condemnation or a sense of anger or despair. I pray that it would propel us and it would compel us to press into you, God, 
to find the things that you have written for us before the world was ever put into motion, before everything we see was ever created, you wrote something for every single one of us. And so God, I pray that the hunt would be on. I pray a grace. I pray this week there would be discoveries that would be made. I pray this week, God, that we would find, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm touching on the reason why you put me on the earth to live. And God, that we would become faithful in becoming who you've called us to become and we would become faithful and diligent in doing what you've called us to do. Antioch Church, I prophesy over you that every day is a meaningful day. It is a purposeful day. It is a destined day. Every day is a training day. Every day is a day where you are growing, you're building, you're moving forward. Every day is an offensive day. Even when you're resting, I declare you're taking ground. Even when you're uh, recreating, I declare you're taking ground. I declare over you, you are a church that moves forward. You are an offensive church. You are an aggressive church. You are a purposeful church. And I declare that the destiny that God has written for us as a community will be realized. We will plant churches. We will multiply. We declare we will touch nations. We declare we will transform cities. We declare that we will be a prophetic voice to our culture in the name of Jesus. I bless you today in the authority of Jesus name. Let's go enjoy some watermelon. Amen.